Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the evening, Jones. Let me set that game. All right. Uh, wow. I show up and we got two questions. I ain't done one of these in like a month. Two people got questions. Need y'all to put in y'all's half, man. Come on now. I can't answer your questions if you don't ask me no questions. You understand? All right. Trying to think anything like fun and quirky uh, done happened in life since the last time I talked to you guys. I like to try to give you guys a little bit of something about my life. Uh, in the meantime, I'd give you a lot less than I used to. So I try to at least just give you like, you know, things that I happen to see in my travels here in New York City. And I got to say, it's been a fairly mundane month. Like it ain't been really like that wild out here in these streets. Hmm. That can't possibly be the case. Somebody had to do something strange in New York City while I was out here. Huh. It has not happened. And as, by the way, I try to use this as an excuse to stall so y'all can send in some more questions. Oh, there we go. We've got a question. I think I'll just get started with a question. You heard about the Charlemagne Yi Gucci situation. Do you think interviewers have a responsibility to defend their co-hosts from getting called out their name, even if they don't, if they don't consider them to be a friend outside work? Uh, I did see this. Now, you know, Gucci Mane was in New York making the rounds, promoting his album. He stopped by and talked to me on the right time. You ought to go check that out. It's a pretty entertaining podcast that ESPN produces. Um, and then he went over and he talked to Charlemagne. And, like, I feel like, Everybody had to know what the deal was when he was talking to Charlemagne, but he wasn't like talking about the whole crew, talking to the whole crew. And the reason I say that is we know he don't like them. Like we've been known he don't like them. That is why I would presume that Charlemagne wound up being the person to do the interview by himself because everybody under involved understands that Gucci don't really rock with Angela Yee and uh, that ain't what the Envy do, but definitely not with Angela Yee because they had this weird thing where Gucci – like, did he say this even to her face where Gucci was acting like she was trying to holler at him? Y'all remember that? I don't even know if that's true. Angela Yee said that, that's not true. Gucci absolutely puts it out there as if that's the case. Anyway, Gucci did this interview with Charlemagne, and he referred to Angela Yee in the interview as a punk-ass bitch. And what I found to be, like, linguistically interesting about that is like, obviously, people call women bitches often, and we all understand the connotation and what's the problem with doing so. But normally, when somebody is referred to as a punk-ass bitch, that is typically directed toward a man. Right, you think about that for a second. You ever heard a woman get called a punk-ass bitch before this? Because I don't. I can't think of one time that I've heard a woman referred to as a punk-ass bitch, which tells me that, man, Gucci, uh, Gucci has a, a really passionate distaste uh, for this woman. Now, the reason that I bring that up is, like, fairly simple, which is if I had a show with a woman and I interview somebody and he calls her a bitch, I do believe that I have an obligation to say something about that, right? Like, I think that that's a, I think that that's a fair point that that is not, I mean, 
Yo, man. Like, like remember when uh, uh, Kanye West did that song where he's talking about Taylor Swift, where he mentioned Taylor Swift, and he said, I made that bitch famous, and people are basically hitting Taylor Swift with the, oh, you need to get over it. And my thought was, I don't feel like I got, I don't feel like I'm in the right position to be out here telling somebody how they should respond to be called a bitch. Like, especially not a woman. I'm not here to tell a woman how she should feel about some man calling her a bitch. Like, I, 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 I can't think of really the circumstances where I'm looking at a woman and being like, yo, you should just put up with that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that's, that's me. I'm not there. Um, but again, this one gets weird because he called her a punk ass bitch. So like, if somebody did some interview with Pablo or whatever, and they called me a punk ass bitch, I don't know if Pablo is necessarily obligated to fight back on that. I mean, I guess I kind of would like him to, right? But I don't know if that's like an obligation necessarily. But even if it's not an obligation, I 100% understand why it is that if I was Angela Yee, I would absolutely want somebody to say something about the fact this dude called me a punk ass bitch. I don't care if we friends or not. Right? Like, come on, man. That ain't what's hot in these streets. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, can you be mad at her for being mad? I think it's ultimately what the question comes down to. Could you be mad at her for being mad? Because I couldn't. I get it. I see what she's talking about. All right. Appreciate the question. Let's go to the next one. Have you read or have you gotten a chance to read Morris Day's biography? Actually, I have gotten a chance to read Morris Day's biography. Um, I would recommend to you, if you are a Prince fan, that you should read Morris Day's biography, if for no other reason than it legit takes like three hours to read. Like, it's not a long read at all. But, like, when I saw that he had a book coming out, I was feeling a little bit guilty. I was like, I don't know how I feel about myself, the idea that I'm really going to tune in. Like, I'm going to read your memoirs about your life because I actually want to hear about somebody else's life. Like, that kind of feels disrespectful. I can't be the only person who thinks that. That's a little disrespectful. That's the way I saw it. I felt like that would be disrespectful to Morris, and I wasn't sure I wanted to do it that way. But then I found out that uh, Pop Life was about Morris. What's the matter with your nose? Is that where your money goes? The river of addiction flows. Yeah, that was about Morris. I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'll go ahead and give it a read. And uh, shout out to Morris Day for self-awareness. And the reason I say shout out to Morris Day for self-awareness is Morris knew damn well ain't nobody trying to read no book about him. We wanted to read a book about Prince. And so what he basically gave us was a book about Prince, his experience coming up with Prince. And I thought it was a very enjoyable read. Like, it ain't no prize winner or nothing like that. But it's something that I think that if you're into Prince that um, – you ought to check out. I did feel like I learned a lot about Morris Day, even if I wasn't always like that concerned with Morris Day. But one thing that was interesting about it is, again, the self-awareness, man. Morris seemed to understand at every turn, like I'm hitching my wagon to this dude and whatever this dude says, this is what I'm going to ride with. All right, this is it right here one thing one point that morris made and this isn't giving anything away in the book i think that i can discuss this here but morris views 
Purple Rain or like his character in Purple Rain. Basically, he sees the ending of the movie as his character being humiliated. And it's funny because I don't think of Morris as getting humiliated at all. Now, maybe part of the reason why I don't think that Morris gets humiliated in that movie is I don't think that more. I, I didn't view Morris as a character to be taken seriously in the first place. Does that make sense? So maybe that's why I don't think of the ending is him being humiliated. Like, I think it's funny when you get to the end and it's Baby, I'm a star. I think it's Baby, I'm a star. See that I would die for you. I think it's Baby, I'm a star. Either way, and Morris in the crowd pumping his fist, like getting it, getting it in. Like, I don't think he got embarrassed in that. That, was that. that characterization was a little bit of a surprise. But no, nah, I think you ought to uh, think you ought to go check that out. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. How are you enjoying the Sturgill Simpson experience? Okay, I don't think I've talked about the Sturgill thing here. So I've heard about Sturgill Simpson a few times. I've seen him perform on the Grammys before, and I thought it was dope. I have to be honest with you. I don't remember seeing it at the Grammys, but after I tweeted about him, people pointed out my tweets about him at the Grammys. So, like, apparently it's very notable when I talk about country music. Okay, cool. So he puts out this new record called Sound and Fury, and it is still a country album, but it's more country-ish. Like, it feels a lot more like a My Morning Jacket record than I would say it feels like uh, Sturgill's previous records. And yes, I've gone through the previous records. Like, I'm kind of in on this. Um, so one, I don't listen to country music. Like, I can't even be out here like I don't listen to a lot of country music. No. I don't listen to country music. Like I can give you a handful of songs that I can point to, but that's just not my bag. I ain't throwing no shade at it, but it's not really my speed. So this is easily the most that I've immersed myself in listening to country music is in running through these three Star of the Simpson albums that I've been running through. Sound and Fury, The Sailor's Guy, The Sailor's Guy to the Universe or something like that. Sailor's Guy, that part I know. And the, uh, what is it, Meta Music, whatever. Hey, look, I ain't here for the titles, whatever. Um, anyway. Yo, man, this dude can write a song, man. He got this joint called Oh, Sarah, and he's got that line, sometimes I might act a little crazy, but goddamn crazy is how I feel. And I was like, whoa, that's a monster. Like, that made me a lot more empathetic to a lot of people that I may have called crazy before. Made me wonder how many times that's been the way that I wanted to explain it. I don't know, but I was like, that was a mean line. Dude's a mean guitar player, too. Uh, check out this joint called It Ain't All Flowers on the Meta Sounds joint. Like, sonically, it's just amazing. You're like, oh, you got a whole lot of reverse stuff going on and everything else. Like, at least in my limited experience with country music, I can't think of anybody as sonically adventurous as he is. And the, like, the actual songwriting itself is a monster. Like, yeah, just one line. It, I found it to be really interesting because, it, like, okay. So, I mean, it's a pretty traditional country song that he's singing. But he's got a line where he's like, we can get high, play a little gold now. Got an old 64. Number one, that's pretty relatable right there, buddy. Like, that, that's, how, that's how you connect a map. It's by talking about things like that. Uh, but what made it interesting to me is he was talking about it like the way that people talk about like the jukebox where you hear the songs talk about how we used to do things back in the day and it was so wild to me like for it to hit me like damn a nintendo 64 is like an old school device in the way that like a quarter's jukebox would be in the 1990s like that's how far we have gotten here 
He's about, I got an old 64. It's the only kind there is, man. And it then makes sense to hear somebody sing a traditional country song about his old 64. That's how far we are. That's how far we are. So, you know, I recommend you check them joints out. Like, even if country ain't really your speed, I really do think you ought to give it a run. It's pretty good stuff. Appreciate the question. Let me see what we got here. Have you visited the Joker Stairs in the Bronx? And why are people so mad about the tours? Well, I have not visited the Joker Steps. Um, I tend to go to the Bronx with purpose. And that's not really enough of a purpose. Number two. It's not as though um, I went to see the Joker movie or anything like that. And so you understand what I'm saying? Like, like it, it has no appeal to me. But your question is, why are people so mad about the tourists? Because that's not Disney World, man. Like, those people live there. And I could totally understand it being annoying when people who have spent a significant portion of their lives trying to make it such that they never have to interact with you are pulling up in their Ubers and running up to take pictures on these stairs, and they don't even want to be in the neighborhood long enough to go to the damn bodega. They just want to take that picture, and then they want to get the hell out of there as quickly as possible. You know? Nah, I get why those people who live there are offended by that. I don't understand how you can't get how those people are offended by that. Like that's their neighborhood. That's they like they are people, you know? And all they all their neighborhood is useful for to you is either to A eventually like invade it and take it over, or B just take pictures on the steps. Come on, man. Appreciate the question. Let's see what else we got here. Yeah, I can answer this. Do you enjoy interviews more with people you know or people you're learning about as you go along? That is a very interesting question. Um, and talk about the things I do for the other podcast for the right time. And so I don't really look at that as kind of a comparative sort of thing because the purposes are so completely different. So if I got somebody like my man Vinny at Yahoo to talk about the NBA or something like that, it's enjoyable Largely because I enjoy talking to him, right? Like this is something that we do all the time. And now we just kind of doing it on a microphone. So there's that. And so there's a different like level of comfort, obviously. And so what you're getting out of that is really just going to be a conversation. Like I don't even think an interview is a fair way to put it. Like when I got Foxworth on, that's not an interview, man. That's a conversation. We just, you know, we just going back and forth shooting shit. Like that's all that is. But when we start doing these interviews and we start learning about people, I've said I think I've said this in other places. But if you don't know this, um, I spent four years doing interviews with Dan Levitard, and I was really just riding shotgun on those, and that was fine to be clear because Dan's so much better at it than I was. So like Dan does the heavy lifting, and I just pop in here and there. But what I was really doing was kind of serving a four-year apprenticeship with a master, and so. When we decided to turn the right time into a podcast, like I see interviewing, 
well, more saw at this point, but C is still fair. I see interviewing as a hole in my game, right? It's something that I need to get better on. And so as we've done these interviews with these different people, it's been for me as much as anything else about getting better at it. And that I think I have done. You know, like I like I look at some of these that we get and like some of the quality of conversations we get. And honestly, for me, like some of the respect that I feel that I get from these pit cats, cats I don't even know, but they walk in and they know my work and thereby they respect it. Like that feels good, you know? Like it 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 I I'm not one for doing a whole lot of like patting myself on the back of stuff, but I am like personally kind of proud of what I believe is my own personal improvement in that area. And I hope you guys have enjoyed the interviews that we're doing over there. I think we've done I think we've done some good ones. And I hope that some of why those interviews has been good is because I have gotten better at doing those interviews. Somebody said, I think you'll ask them about their worst moments in life like Dan does. Nah, man. Me and him, Dan want to know different stuff than I do. Like, like Dan, Dan wants you to show that you just like the rest of us and have miserable moments. I, as you know, don't do recreational sadness. Well, I'll continue this part. How do you think you have changed and evolved as an interviewer over time or any of the changes, things you consciously tried to do or things that just happened? So here's the thing for me with interviewing. I didn't get into this business to hear what other people had to say. I got into this business to talk. Like I had to learn and I'm still struggling. I wouldn't say struggling, but I still need to improve on this. I had to learn to not talk over these cats through these interviews and make the interview all about me answering the question before I finished, you know, like answering the question for myself before I hand it off to the person. Like I had to learn to get out of the way. The thing that's kind of tricky with the right time in that regard is people come to hear me. And so as much as I think that a good interview or what an interview should be is me getting out of these people's way and letting them shine, what we have found in a lot of cases is that the audience would much rather, I don't say much rather is too far, but the audience would often rather hear from me. You know, and it's kind of a balance because to me, an interview was about the other person. And so I think as more time goes on and more people come to understand like, what's foundational about the interviews, what I would hope ideally is they'll be like, hey, man, is Bomani doing an interview? I don't know who this person is but I trust him that this is somebody I might want to hear about. And, you know, I want to hear how he gets that person on the other side of the table to share. That's what I would hope. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. All right. Are you surprised Kanye had a weak gospel album given his previous sample usage? No, I'm not surprised. And as much as like, so when when I first listened to that Kanye gospel record, the first thing I said was it's hard to make a gospel record that don't feel like nothing, but here we are. And that is what happened there. Like, I'm not a Christian, but I can feel some of gospel music. Like, that's what it's got for you, man. That thing, that make that hair stand up behind your neck. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what it does. That's what it gives you. That's not what Kanye gave us. But I really think the explanation as to why it is, like some of it is certainly songwriting. I didn't think the production was necessarily bad. I thought some of it was good. And by the way, go check the track list. Like he's got Timberland on like four or five tracks. Um, but the thing is, Kanye can't sing. 
Like, you're not really going to push your way through a gospel album without having a hell of a powerful voice. Like, it's a serious question because I don't listen to that much gospel music. Can you start naming the gospel singers that don't have powerful voices? And that's kind of a requirement, right? Like, you got to be able to put some gas behind that. And Kanye can't. Like, that's just, he's just not qualified to do such a thing so then what you then left with is what the ideas and the songs that are being written that are underneath it and this dude was talking about you my number one with a lemonade all right i don't know uh, malcolm west says lecrae doesn't sing okay i think you understand what i'm saying here in large part because there is a little bit of rapping that's on here. There he is. But Kanye's trying to do that singing too. But he ain't a great rapper either. And so you can mention Kirk Franklin. Kirk Franklin's not a singer. I know, like, who's looking to who's who's looking to Kirk to sing? And it was like Kirk's just a gospel hype man. No, Kirk is a brilliant musical producer. Like Kirk runs the choir, basically. Like I can't believe, like, like I'm not looking at Kirk Franklin as a performer in that way. Like, that's silly. Um, let me find the other silly things that people are in here saying. Um, it's like, are we looking at his Christian rap? I mean, kind of at points. I don't know. Like, but I just I found it to be a wholly unremarkable record. Right, that's it. Like, I don't need to shade it or like throw all this crazy. Like, it's in, nah. And somebody's saying he's 90s Diddy for gospel. Nah, man, because Diddy, that Kirk Franklin is still a musician. Diddy's not a musician. Kirk Franklin absolutely is. And as I've said before, Kirk Franklin got harder drums on his tracks than Kanye got on anything other than Yeezus. Tell me I'm lying. All right, so this guy then asked, do you think Kanye is really a genius or is he a guy used to being the smartest guy in a room of dumb people? One, I don't know if he's the smartest guy in a room of dumb people. Two, like what kind of genius are we talking about here? Like, don't think that Kanye's a real life genius? No. Like, you mean like a thinking, talking, like intellectual idea genius? Do you think he's a genius? And if you do think he's a genius, do you think that I would think that he's a genius? Nice, serious question. Like, given what your perceptions probably are about my ego and how I feel about myself and how I feel about my brain, do you think for a second that I think Kanye West is some kind of goddamn genius? Dude, talk about watching Zane Lowe interview. Why? Why? You act like I ain't been listening to Kanye talk for 15 years. No, he is not a genius. He had about a seven-year run of ingenious music, though. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. Are you a fan of power? In the future, do you think it'll hold up against a classic like The Wire? Are you serious? Not really. Are you serious? Like, I've watched like a little bit of one episode of Power. And I'm going to ask you this, Brittany. 
when you watch Power, do you say to yourself, yo, in the future, this will hold up against a classic like The Wire? I'm just curious. Do you say that? Because I ain't heard nobody that watches Power say that. Okay. Just checking. All right, somebody said here, guess this is a good time to ask, but I wanted to hear Dan on the right time. Would be nice for you to nice for you two to hear you two. Okay, have a conversation. Something you thought about. Now we record the right time while he's doing a radio show. See another question here. Guy says, Are we about to get suckered in a $250 noise canceling AirPods or have we put the Apple narcotic down? I don't know. Here's the problem, Doug. You have to remember something. I'm rich. Like $250 headphones. I've done that a few times. I don't know about y'all, though. No disrespect. All right, going through these questions, seeing if y'all help me out a little. I'm moving to Harlem for a new job next week after two years in Harlem. Is there anything I absolutely need to know? If you think that public transportation is going to get you around in Atlanta like it did when you was in New York, son, you are in for a rude awakening. Also, what's the martyr looking like these days? Like, I ain't been on the martyr in a very long time. Because, you know, white folks is going all kinds of places. They used to not go in Atlanta. Like, some of them places got trained. It's a little shocking, the things I'm hearing about the place the white folks are turning up in Atlanta these days. And I'm just telling you right now, I mean, I'm just asking. Rather than telling you, I'm just asking. Back in the day, I don't know if y'all know what martyrs stand for. Who in here know what martyrs stand for? Anybody in the chat room know what martyrs stand for? M-A-R-T-A. It's public transportation in the city. JP say he know what martyrs stand for. What martyrs stand for, JP? Tell us what Marta stand for. Ah, uh, look like JP don't remember as well as he did. There we go. Well, he almost got it. Not quite. He said moving African-Americans around Atlanta. Does that spell Marta, son? JP, does that spell Marta? Where, there we go. Where's the T? Marta stands for moving Africans rapidly through Atlanta. <laughs> that is what Marta stands for. So I would like to know, like, whether or not, as these things are changing, whether uh, the A is going to have to change. Like, move all y'all rapidly through Atlanta. Is that what it's going to be? Is that how everybody's coming together? I love hearing the different acronyms that people have for their public transportation, wherever they happen to be. In L.A., it's the RTD, the Rough, Tough, and Dangerous. (laughs) Yes, it may... Moving Africans rapidly through Atlanta makes me laugh every single time. Every single one. I saw that there was a Sopranos con going on with former cast attending, etc. Would you attend a wire con? Absolutely not. And let me tell you why I would not attend a wire con. I know that different people go to these different cons and different people dress up at these different cons. But in my travels in this world, you know who really, really, really likes to dress up for these sorts of cons? White people. 
white people appreciate costumes in a way that my people do not. And white people have a dedication to accuracy on these costumes that quite often can get them in a position to get their asses kicked. And I can't think of a place where there would be more likely that a costume might get your ass kicked than at a wire con. Because dressing up like the white people on the wire, how much fun is that really? Like, is it fun to dress up like Carcetti? Is it fun to dress up like Rawls, right? All the white folks basically just wear shirts and ties, except for the white folks or the docks, which I like like y'all don't like them, right? So what's going to happen? You're going to have white folks trying to take this the extra mile. You're going to have a bunch of white folks driving like Omar. You might have some that tries to get a little cute with it, go with a brother Muzon, maybe Bubbles. But they ain't just going to stop at the clothes now, are they? I mean, some, some people are going to stop at the clothes. But they ain't all going to stop at the close. That's right. Somebody going to just go one step further. Put a little touch paint on. You understand what I'm saying? And then you know what's going to happen? Big G going to roll up. That's right. You're going to have, as if, in fact, that's what's going to happen. You're going to have some white dude show up there with that paint on his face and some cornrows. And he's going to be like, yeah, I'm Slim Charles. And then he's going to see Big G and be like, yo, you're the real Slim Charles. And I don't really think it could go either way with Big G. It could go either way with Big G. Shout out to everybody that understands why I'm calling him Big G, by the way. We have, we have not reached the point where Big G is Slim Charles to me. He's still Big G. Anyway, like I say, I don't think I would want to attend that. Just because we like the same TV show don't mean I want to hang out with y'all. Right, let me see what else we got here. How does OJ keep it cool with all the jokes thrown at him on Twitter? Who are the people he said he needs to get even with? I mean, you can ask OJ about the get even part. My guess is OJ is not reading mention the first. That would be my guess. Like, I I, mean, I see some of the videos that OJ puts up, and it's kind of interesting because, you know, not everybody's comfortable talking about the fact that OJ's out here doing these videos. OJ out here trolling, man. Trolling. Like, Antonio Brown got caught in that situation. Um... OJ was like, I'm going to give you some advice that I've gotten from some of the great legal minds. Don't say anything. And I'm like, oh, my God, OJ, you are just trolling these people. Yeah, I'm looking at OJ's timeline right now. OJ ain't touching this account. OJ ain't doing nothing but recording these videos and then somebody else is putting them out. So you can say whatever you want to OJ on there. OJ, OJ is never going to see it. Appreciate the question. We got anything else here? All right, I'm trying to get you out of 45 minutes worth of content, but I ain't really got that many, 45 minutes worth of questions. (laughs) 
I mean, Carl said about OJ, I like how people act like it's morally wrong to, to follow him. Get a grip. I mean, you can't blame people for that, right? There's reason to believe that OJ killed a couple of people. Now, granted, is OJ the only person to get away with killing a couple of people? No, he is not. Is he the person who got away with killing a couple of people that leaves people the most incensed? Yes, he is. But he did kill a couple of people. Um, and I can understand that people have decided that they're not going to let that one slide, especially as he has kind of taunted everybody about the fact that he got away with killing a couple of people. I can't be mad at people if they decide that's something they don't want to support. I get it. Did you see Mitch McConnell get passed over for the death at Cummins funeral? I did see that happen. And as funny as the video was, if I had to guess, that dude didn't want to touch Mitch, and Mitch didn't want that dude touching him. Like, I think that there not being a come-together of DAP in that moment, probably a win-win for all parties involved. I think everybody got what they wanted. All right, appreciate the question. Let me see. We got any more? We got any more? We got any more? We got any more? Yeah, my man B. John said Kanye's thing is going to be awkward. Nah, apparently the Kanye's thing is not going to be awkward because I thought it was going to be awkward with him. It was going to be awkward immediately after he died. And people have decided that they're just not talking about the end. The thing is, the end contained a whole lot of the previous time period also. But I have been surprised, at least from what I've seen, it's been kind of muted talking about how it ended for All right. Keep looking, keep looking, keep looking, guys. I'm trying to I'm trying to do it for you, but I ain't really got the I ain't really got the materials to work with here. Has anything struck you from the first primary debates? Man, I ain't really watching them, dog. No disrespect. This guy in the chat room saying you tripping if you if you don't think you resemble Kyrie's dad heavily. I can see why you say I look like him, but if you acting like you mixing me up with a dude that's like 10, 15 years older than me, then you're a fucking idiot, Cameron Bragg. Are you a fucking idiot, Cameron Bragg? Feel free to answer. What you got? Like, did I say I don't look like him? Did I say we don't bear a resemblance? No. Do you remember when I said that, Cameron Bragg? Why aren't you in the chat room anymore, Cameron Bragg? I know you were just here. Are you an idiot, Cameron Bragg? Come on back, Cameron Bragg. I just don't know why I look like everybody. Like every, I'm so afraid of who's going to commit a crime someday. And the thing about it is, if I do look like somebody, I'll give it to you. I even took a picture with Keith Boykin once. I be seeing him around all the time, by the way. But I even took a picture with Keith Boykin once because everybody's like, I looked up on CNN once. I was like, oh, yeah, I see how you could think that that was me. Got you. Y'all just be pulling everybody out, though. 
I can't understand why I don't find this to be nearly as entertaining as the rest of you. And where is Cameron Bragg? Oh, there you are. All right, next question. What's up in California cutting people's power off? How about what's up in California having 80-mile-an-hour winds? Yo, man, living in California, I did that for two years, and little did I know that was the riskiest thing I ever did. Yeah, man, it's wild out there, bro. It's wild. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're cutting the people's power off. Apparently, I mean, you saw what happened the last time. They're afraid of getting sued. It's a lot going on out there. Somebody said white people don't even notice and how often stupid uh, there this POC looks like this POC thing is. Yeah, but to be fair to white folks on this one, it'd be a bunch of my own people doing the same damn thing. Like, it ain't just them. All the white people be pulling some like completely out of nowhere, but so the black people. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, I like insert person looks like insert person. There's a wide variance on what makes people like human beings think that that happens. I don't fully understand. I got people out here talking about I look like DMX. I'm skinny. He smokes rocks. It ain't the same. It ain't the same. All right, let me see. I got anything else for y'all? I got anything else for y'all? I got anything else for y'all? I think it is last thing. Carl says, what is your use for Twitter now? Are your long interaction days over? They sure are. My use for Twitter at this point is news aggregation. And every now and then I might want to talk about something. But no, 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 no. It was one thing when my base was small and the people I was rocking with were friends. That ain't what it is anymore. It's not really that much fun to get bombarded in the ways that I do when I talk about stuff to somebody who actually wants to engage. So now I'm good on that. All right, last question here. This is apolitical and whatever. Folks are mad about Bernie's response to being asked about the talk. Should we have expected anything different? Let me ask you a question. What did you expect Bernie Sanders to say? Like, if that wasn't a no-win situation, I don't know what is. Bernie, how would you tell African-Americans to handle encounters with the police? He said that he would tell them, correct me if I'm wrong, to be very respectful, kind of like keep your hands so you can see them, the whole nine, everything else, and, you know, try to stop that officer from shooting you, basically. I understand why you don't want to hear a white man say such a thing. But why did you ask the white man this question in the first place? Like, he's not in a position to answer this in a way that's going to be satisfactory for somebody who really cares about what the answer is. It's not possible. And I think that there seemed to be some measure of understanding on his end that that thing, that it wasn't going to be possible. However, I have to say, just about everything that Bernie said is what I do when I'm interacting with the police. And it wasn't because some white man told me so. It's like the best, it's like the best strategy I got. It's like the best option. Like this, this is what this is what I go about. But there's no right answer for that one, right? How do you go about a police stop? So he say, hey, be as respectful as possible. Well, they still shoot you if you're being respectful. Okay, cool. So what do you want me to say? Be disrespectful. 
Well, act like the white boys on YouTube who be out here breaking bad with the cops that don't know that happened to him. I don't think you want to recommend in that. So, like, really, what is the right answer? Because I've been looking for the right answer forever, and I don't have it. So I don't know why you think Bernie Sanders would. And that, by the way, not a political observation. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on the Evening Jones. We do this thing. Well, I normally say about once every week or two, but it's been like three or four since the last time I did it, so I don't want to get to lying to you. Uh, my man, Lance Gilliam, handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Remember, if you cannot watch the Evening Jones live, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the iTunes store. Subscribe at Stitcher Radio. Check us out at SoundCloud. We are also at the Google Play Store. All right, I'll talk to you guys in a little while. Take it easy.